Hello and welcome back to the RLS podcast. We are on episode 19, not 18. I'll try and get the number right this week. Um, and I, you know what? I'd actually already recorded episode um, 19. However, last week I had a meltdown and deleted it because I had a little bit of imposter syndrome. I was like, I just, I was getting annoyed at the washing machine as well. Um, not having a, a podcast studio officially. Um, means that there's a washing machine in the room next to me therefore um, it's a little bit distracting just things just were getting on my nerves and I got a little I went a little bit off track I actually did post it um, but then a couple hours later I was just like nah you know what that wasn't good enough so I pulled it back off I probably should have just left it on but um, yeah these things happen and I suppose when you're trying to perfect it in one take and not do any editing these things are going to happen um, and look I'll constantly I'll constantly as I do this look to refine it and look to get it a little bit better um, but sometimes it just goes wrong and sometimes I just have to delete it and start again um, but this podcast is going to it's going to involve a slightly different approach that I've never done before so what I basically did was I put a Q&A on Instagram and just asked everyone what they what they wanted to hear about, what it was that they wanted me to speak about, and I was just going to go and speak about it. Um, no planning, no kind of notes, just essentially just let you know my, um, my knowledge on the topics and hopefully hopefully we can we can help you in in some sort of way so if you did ask a question thank you very much um i appreciate that um so there's a couple of different topics we're going to go into so we're going to talk about my training a little bit first of all and we're going to talk about creating we're going to talk about goal setting then we're going to talk about setting well goal setting um but then talking about setting big goals then we're going to talk about fear-based um posts and fear-based kind of fitness advice and then we're going to talk about recovery after workouts. And then we're going to talk about having a coach. And then we're going to talk about um, my Magaluf Bender a few years back, um, which I believe there's been a lot of people wanting to hear about that. Um, and if you do know the story, then you'll know how absolutely fucking ridiculous it is. Um, so I'll share that right at the end. If you are if you stay around for long enough, I'll, I'll share that right at the end. So um yeah, in regards to my own training and my goals right now, like they've probably not changed from the first. Well, they have actually changed. They've changed a little bit from the first time that I shared them on the podcast. If you have listened to a lot of the episodes, you probably already know what my kind of goals are in terms of training. So I'm going to keep them, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to keep it specific to training. And again, I get a little bit like apprehensive about speaking about my own kind of goals and my own training. Um, but again, when I think about myself, when I listen to other podcasts or when I um, watch YouTube videos, I do actually like hearing about the person that I'm listening to or watching this training um, and what it is they do. You've obviously got to take everything with a pinch of salt. And even when you're listening to me, take it with a pinch of salt um, and realize that just because this works for me and just because I do these kind of things doesn't mean that it's going to work perfectly for you. So you've got to take all that stuff into consideration. Um, so what are my goals right now like what am I training for um, and I kind of put it under the the bracket of being a, being a little bit hybrid so my goals are pretty hybrid just now they're not specifically one thing or another now you've heard me speak about this before if you've listened to the podcast but what essentially is like a hybrid style of training well it's it's doing different modalities at the same time um, so for example what I'm doing just now so I'm training um, I'm doing strength training in the gym with a, a little bit of a touch of physique in there as well um, I am playing football I am running once a week and I'm playing and I'm and I'm swimming I'm swimming once a week as well now <clears throat> excuse me no so for me that's that's fine like I I work from home um, I work online and occasionally in the gym and I've, I suppose I've kind of privileged enough to have the time to do this. I know and I respect that not everyone has the time to train for all these things at once. Um, and it's it's going pretty well, I would say. I mean, I've got the balance of recovery and training um, quite nicely. I'm, I'm not really finding that I'm going into any sort of session like really, really fatigued so much so that I can't do the session. It does occasionally happen if I have a bad sleep or my nutrition's not on point. Um, but yeah, my goals right now are, 
I kind of going through like a transitional phase. So right now I'm obviously still training for football um, on a Monday or a Thursday. Um, I'm swimming once on a Tuesday or a Wednesday um, and I'm training four times a week in the gym with a game on a Saturday. That seems like a lot. Um, it is doable right now, the, the position that I'm in. I'm not saying that it's doable for everyone. And I know there's a lot of people that train a lot more than that. Um, but what it means is that it means that there's a certain sacrifice in each training modality. Um, I mean, if I was just swimming, yeah, I'd be much better at swimming pretty, pretty rapidly. If I was just doing strength training, um, yeah, I would benefit from that because I wouldn't have to worry about the extra recovery that's needed for the game of football on a Saturday. I could probably then train on a Sunday um, and I'd feel sharper on a Monday possibly. Um, and then again, like if I perhaps took away one of my strength training sessions, I would maybe be better in the pool. But this is how the hybrid style of training works. So again, what my goals are, are essentially to see out the football season and then I'm going to dive right into a, a sprint triathlon um, in Forfar in July. Um, I also have, again, it's it's kind of out with this, I'm going to be doing the Three Peaks Challenge in in May, which is, I think I've discussed this before, but it's um, Ben Nevis, Scaffold Peak and Snowden all in 24 hours. Um, and then I'm doing a half marathon in Glasgow in October. So my training right now, hopefully it's going to lead me nicely into the end of the football season. Um, I think as I do perhaps make a move down to Glasgow, I'm going to look to... Um, kind of tail off the football season and jump straight into kind of like full-time training for that triathlon um, and for that half marathon later on in the year. If all going well with that, then I would definitely like to do a full triathlon afterwards. All going well with that, I would like to then do a half Ironman. And let's not get too far ahead of ourselves now because I'm never, I'm not never, I'm not going to say I'm going to try and do an Ironman, but I'd love to do one one day. Um, I know that's not exactly an easy thing to do. Um, it's going to take a lot of training. It's going to take a lot of things to go right. Um, but it would be a nice thing to look to in the future. And I'm not going to look beyond that just now. Um, I was going to get a little bit carried away with myself. Um, and then like the overriding goal throughout that is to maintain a physique that I'm happy with, um, is to maintain a a good kind of balance with with nutrition um try not to get too heavy as i know that doesn't necessarily correlate with being a faster runner faster swimmer or um to a certain extent like it might not actually help me with my strength training and um, i think i'm sitting about 91 to 92 kilograms right now any heavier than that then i've got um don't worry about like the the fast strikers in our league running past me i'll have grannies running past me if i get any heavier but to be fair i've feel okay at that weight I've been at that weight before and felt really uncomfortable um, and just not good but I think I'm in a slightly different position now so um, look I don't think I want to go into much else around about my training but my goals there's no specific metrics on them there's not I need this number or I need this time it's just to continue to allow me to operate from a higher level to really feel to feel happy with my body to feel to feel fit to feel mobile um, and to generally just continue on that trajectory as to the things that I just dis discussed before like I want to be able to do that half marathon to a good standard I want to be able to do that triathlon to a good standard and then I want to be able to as I said like transition transition the training from that into something a little bit more intense and um, a little bit longer um, and a little bit harder so that is essentially what I'm looking at and those are my goals for the year um, and as I say your goal does not have to have a specific number on it it doesn't have to have a specific date on it it can just be looking in the future to big events or it can be looking in the future to something that you really want to do and that can help kind of uh, charge up your training on a, on a weekly basis so first thing I wanted to dive into was creatine now like I think a lot of people kind of understand what's meant by creatine and what its purpose is and what its benefits are. Um, it's a massively beneficial supplement and it's something that I believe not only all athletes should be taking, but anywhere from your 18, you're just starting off in the, in the gym, even all the way up to your granddad. Not even joking, like a lot of the kind of evidence coming out with creatine nowadays is, is I mean, it's, it's very well-versed. There's a lot of evidence backing creatine with athletic performance, um, strength in the gym, um, jump height, sprint speed, 
just a load of backing. There's a load of backing. There's even some stuff coming out about actual cognitive function as well, brain function. Um, I know there's not, it's not as extensive, but there is a lot of stuff to back that. Um, so, look, you should you should be taking it. Let's let's just put it straight out there. You should be taking it. You can get creatine from your diet. However, it's difficult for most people to achieve that level of creatine that's really going to see those benefits from food. You can do it, um, but it's almost, again, that's, that's the phrase I used before, like making sure, covering all bases, making sure that those creatine stores are at an optimal level um, when you're moving into sporting events or when you're moving into the gym or when you're moving into any sort of athletic performance. Um, something you'll have probably heard about before is the loading phase. So the loading phase of creatine. Now, probably said otherwise before, but my kind of my thinking with this is slightly kind of updated. Um, loading phase, do we really need it? Not really sure we do. Um, if you want to get the benefits of creatine flowing nice and fast, then yeah, go with the loading phase. But if you are just someone that's kind of recreationally training um, or you're just someone that kind of wants to start using creatine, then just go with the, the normal dosage. So it's five grams a day. It's usually the equivalent of one, one little scoop that you get in the bag. Take that every single day, um, every single week, and the benefits of creatine should be should be there to see within. I mean, it's hard to see, it's hard to really notice them um, unless you're really recording things with clear metrics, but the benefits will be there. Um, one thing about creatine is the fact that it may actually make you put on scale weight. Not fat, scale weight. You may actually jump on the scales and think, oh, fuck them up, a kilogram. Creatine makes you retain water. Therefore, after taking creatine for the first couple of weeks, you may may have that initial water retention, which means that your scale weight goes up. There's nothing wrong with this. There's no negative effects to this other than the fact that you may perceive it to be negative. So again, something you might see, the best times to take creatine before, after training, doesn't matter. Really, really doesn't matter. Um, all I would say is, is make sure you're taking it on a daily basis. And again, something I said on my stories the other day was like, Perhaps it is good to have it just after training. Reason being um, is that you can habit stack. So what does habit stack mean? It, it essentially means putting two habits together. And the first habit should be a habit that you repeat. It's easy. You do it without even thinking. Okay, that's going to the gym. So you go to the gym. Like you don't take your creatine and then forget to go to the gym. What to do is when you go to the gym, fill up your water, put some creatine in it. Therefore, you have it stack those two things together. So you make sure that you do them both at the same time. There's no benefit to having it just before or just after the gym. But the benefit is that you remember every single time because creatine is one of those things. It's actually quite hard to remember to have it every single day. It's just like having your vitamins or it's just like um, it could be anything. It's just like remembering to journal or something like that. Have it stack it together. Um, yeah, so again, creatine essentially allows your muscle to contract more effectively. Um, and again, you, as I said, you do get it from food, um, but you won't have optal, optimal amounts in your body. Um, and it's cheap. It's cheap gains. It's very cheap gains. And all you need to do is drink it. Um, we're not asking you to do anything overly strenuous. All you need to do is drink a, a glass of water with some creatine in it. Um, something that I'm actually going to share with a post tonight as well is the different derivatives of creatine. So the different versions of creatine that you may see on the market right now, there's a few different ones. Obviously you've got like micronized creatine, which is essentially just more like a more kind of refined version of it. That that's, that's not really any different to your standard creatine monohydrate. Um, the cheapest version of creatine monohydrate is just as effective as any of the other expensive ones. Now, the only exception to that is sometimes people can report like like an unrest, a, a kind of stress in their digestive system or in their stomach when taking creatine. Um, I have heard of this happening to various people, um, various clients. One thing you could do, and it's a little bit more expensive, is try and get the, try and get this like hydrolyzed creatine. Um, it seems to it seems to sit a little bit better within people's stomach. Um, so it's worth a go if you want to give that a bash if creatine doesn't sit right with you. However, it is but triple the price. 
Um, so I believe that's all you need to know about creatine, but it's cheap gains. Make sure you're taking it. So moving on to goal setting. Um, I believe it was it was my client, Ryan, that actually asked me this. So there's a couple of different approaches when it comes to goal setting that I go with. Um, the, the conventional goal setting, right, okay, so I want to lose 10 kilograms in three months. Like, it's fine and well. It's a tangible target. It's there. You know exactly what it is that you want to do. However, if we keep it as black and white as that, it can actually be, can be a little bit, disheartening when you don't get there or can you can almost miss out on some of the small wins um so i want to talk to you about a couple different approaches that i go with when it comes to goal set now if you've ever done any sort of college course or you've ever done like any sports-based course um i'm pretty sure this is pretty widely used in loads of different subjects but you may have heard of smart goals so i think as much as this is something that I learned in college, like about six, seven years ago, it is still quite relevant. So when we talk about SMART goals, it's obviously an acronym. So specific, measurable, attainable, realistic slash relevant and time-based. So let me break this down one by one. So if we are setting a goal, we want to obviously make sure it is specific to, it's specific to what we actually want to achieve. Now, say for example, you want to lose I don't know, lose 10 kilograms, but you set a goal to, oh, I don't know, it's hard to explain. You set a goal to run 5K. Like it's not necessarily specific to what it is that you want to achieve, even if it is, um, it is still going to benefit you. Measurable. Now, measurable, we want to have a clear metric that we can see. So measurable would mean like, okay, let's use the example of a run. So measurable would be recording your runs on Strava and having the clear data there to essentially show you, okay, I'm getting better, I'm getting faster. I know that I've just been able to run a 10K in 50 minutes, but my goal is to run it in 45 minutes. So I can see it, it's measurable, it's it's there to see. Attainable. Now, attainable kind of, I believe it can is quite similar to realistic, but attainable, like, make sure it is something that is you can actually achieve it. Um, if I said in three months I want to, I want to go to the moon, it's probably not attainable. I probably can't do it. Um, so make sure that it is something that's within your reach. However, I always want to be careful with this one because sometimes setting a goal, like you may, in the back of your mind, not think it's attainable. You may be, oh, I might not be able to do that. If there's a slight doubt in your mind and you're a little bit scared, then it's probably a good thing. So yes, you want it to be attainable, but at the same time, we want it to be like, we want to be a big goal. We want to we want to think big. And then obviously R is realistic slash relevant. Um, so relevant would mean like, is it actually like, is it actually relevant to what you want to achieve? Is it actually like, does it actually matter? Like, or is it just a really surface level um, goal? Is it something like, oh, I just want to, I just want to get a six pack for um for Ibiza. Um again could be relevant to your situation, but we'll want to make sure that it actually matters to you and it's not just a goal that you feel pressured to have because someone else is doing it or because you see someone on social media doing it. Make sure it's relevant to you. Time based. So make sure we have a clear time scale. Um because again, you heard me talk about Parkinson's law over and over again. Like if we want to run a 10k right so i want to run a 10k but right now i can only run 4k it wouldn't be a problem for me to say i just want to run a 10k one day one day i want to run a 10k the problem with that is though like when's one day is one day next week is one day in three years if you don't set a time-based goal if you don't actually have a, a time scale to work with then there's a good chance you'll end up forgetting about it and it'll be it'll get knocked back next week the week after the month after the year after so smart goals, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic slash relevant, time-based. So these are all things to take into consideration when setting a goal. Um, again, really basic, HNC sports coaching right there for you. Um, and I'm pretty sure you've seen that before. So something that's a little bit, it's a little bit deeper. It's a little bit probably, it actually, I think it's a lot more, a lot more relevant and it's reward systems. So it's internal reward systems when thinking about a goal. Now, 
when we think about motivation, what motivates us to actually want to achieve a goal? We've got to think internally. We've got to think externally. So intrinsic and extrinsic. You may have heard this before. So an internal slash intrinsic goal could be like personal success, could be like you could be motivated to play a sport like football because you actually love playing football. And then we think about extrinsic. Um, it could be like a reward for from something or for someone like you could get money or you could actually get praised. So a good example of this is that kind of goes into both of these. Like, So footballers, think about footballers these days. When signing for a club, when Ronaldo was signing for Man United, like there was probably a mixture of intrinsic motivation to do so and there was probably a, a level of extrinsic motivation like Ronaldo is he's quite a vain guy he likes being number one so he also likes money he probably I think he likes money I have a suspicion he might he's probably a very rich man he isn't probably a very rich man he is a very rich man um when we think about extrinsic motivations part of his motivation to join Manchester United was definitely intrinsic he loves Man United there's no doubt about it it was a club that was close to his heart However, there was also an extrinsic reward. He was going to get praised. He was going to be called God. He was going to be, um, he was going to get, he's obviously going to get, he is getting paid a lot of money. There's no doubt about that. Um, so the problem comes, like so you keep with the football example, the problem comes when a player only goes to a club for the extrinsic reward. So he's going to get praised. He's going to get loads of money. Um, but he, he generally does not give a shit it's just like it's maybe the last club that he's going to play for in his career so he's like i'll take some money i'll take some praise i'll be the big shot but i've got no intrinsic motivation to actually to actually come and play for this club like i'm not really arsed about my football anymore um i don't i don't really care that i don't really care if i score any goals i'm just getting a paycheck here so take this into consideration when you're setting goals now Again, let's go for the example of a guy who's wanting to he's wanting to get in shape. He's really he's really wanting to lose a bit of body fat now. Um let's take a, a guy that's only thinking about the extrinsic. So the guy that's thinking about the extrinsic, he's gone on holiday to Ibiza and all he cares about is the attention that he's going to get from all the women. He's gonna jump into Ocean Beach, he's gonna have his top off, he's gonna have a six pack, and it is gonna make him feel class because gonna be everyone's gonna look at him, think, wow, this boy's hench. He's probably been pumped up with steroids, but it doesn't matter, he looks brilliant. When he comes home, because the only reason he wanted to get in shape was for those extrinsic rewards. When he comes home, he ends up out of shape, doesn't give a shit anymore, he's got his t-shirt back on, it's fucking freezing, he's in for for and he just loses all sort of motivation for it. He's like, oh, well, get in shape again for Ibiza next year because he was very, very extrinsically motivated to actually get in shape. His goals were extrinsic. They weren't intrinsic at all. So, again, flip it on its head. So we've got this guy, same guy, um, well, different guy. He's wanting to go on holiday. Um, yeah, he probably wants to get in shape slightly and extrinsically. It would be good for him to be in shape on holiday. But the main reason that he wants to do this is because as far as health, it's for, it's so that he can feel good about himself. It's so that he can he can be proud of himself for finally getting in shape, finally getting the body that he wanted. Um, it's been bothering him for a long time. He perhaps he got he maybe got bullied at school, um, and he's just never been able to get in shape. So it would make him feel happy. It would it would be a personal success. It would mean that he could now feel confident in his own skin. Now that would be more of a an intrinsic motivator. His goal would be a little bit more from from inside. Now, when I talk about both of these, it is really good to have both of them on your side. Like if you can have a mixture of the both, then that's where people get real, real results. The danger is when all the goal is extrinsic and the only reason that you want to get in shape is because of something that you've seen on social media, because your pal's in shape, because someone else said you should get in shape. It's so much better if it comes from within and it's a reason that's a little bit deeper. It's a little bit less surface level than just because you want to get in shape for holiday. Think about what the benefit of achieving that goal would mean to you, not mean to the people around you, not mean to the girl in Ocean Beach that's spraying the fucking one grand champagne on you. You've got to think a little bit deeper. And again, on the flip side, extrinsic goals can be massively powerful as well. If we have that internal why, we have that internal reasoning partnered along with an extrinsic goal. Okay, I go on holiday in six months. 
I've got this amount of time to really get in a shape that I like because it's going to make me feel a bit better on holiday. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's a powerful to have that time scale, as I said before, time-based. Again, this is why people get in fucking magnificent shape for holiday a lot of the time is because they have this extrinsic pressure, the pressure of having to be in shape on a holiday. And if they're not in shape, it's going to be the fucking end of the world. But we've got to partner the two of them together. That's going to be one of the most powerful things that you can really do. So if I think about an extrinsic kind of motivator for you getting in shape, but also think about your deep why. So something I talk about quite a bit is having big fucking goals. Big goals. Even if you look into the future and you you look at it like right now, I'm looking at that 24-hour um, hill climb um, and thinking, oh shit, that is going to be pretty mental. So what it's basically doing for me is it's, it's now meaning that I need to work on my cardio. Like I need to be, I know swimming's not going to directly correlate with being able to climb up a hill in 24 hours, but I need to be able to be doing this cardio. I need to be training hard. I need to be doing all the right things just now or else that's going to be very, very hard and it may actually be unattainable. So again, think to yourself right now, and I know a lot of my clients off the back of me speaking about this have went and signed up for things like their first half marathon, their first marathon, their first kind of Monroe that they've ever done. And I absolutely love that because as I said, like it charges you up on a daily basis to really wake up with a spring in your step and go, right, if I don't train today, it's a good chance that fucking half marathon, that marathon's not happening three months down the line. It gives you that extra bit of motivation. So I really want you to begin to think about like, what can I now do three months, four months? It doesn't have to be like a specific event. It just set something big in the future, like set a goal that you really, really want to achieve. And it'll honestly help you. It'll help you motivate yourself on a, on a daily basis. And again, it could, this could be diving into your extrinsic motivators. Um, so yeah, just allow yourself to set some big goals. What that basically does as well is it, it dictates the small daily actions that can allow you to achieve that goal. And something I always think about right now, so like if you say, for example, you've got a marathon five months time, but you've never even run a half marathon, you've never even run a 10K. Now, that might, seem, that might seem absolutely mental, but your small daily actions could easily allow you to achieve that goal. I always think back to James Clear's book, um, Atomic Habits, and a I reference this so much in my trainings and my podcast and stuff like that. So it gives the example of flying from Los Angeles to New York City. If the pilot was to make a small adjustment and turn just 3.5 degrees south, the plane would end up in Washington, D.C. instead of New York City. So as you can see, just a small change is barely noticeable when taking off. However, by the end of your ride, you'll be hundreds of miles away from your intended destination. So again, putting that into context, like today, right now, tomorrow, whenever you're listening to this, you could essentially now change your trajectory in life. Now, this could be in anything. This could be business. This could be in your career. This could be with your current goals. So the trajectory change could be as simple as, right, okay, I'm going to set a marathon in five months' time. Today, my small action is going to be to go for a 2K run. Now, it might not seem like anything, but it's a small action that will take you in the trajectory that's going to be completely different for them if you didn't make that run and then we build it up on a daily basis we do 2k and then in three days time we do 3k and then four days time we do another run and by the time you're five months in or down the line you're doing that marathon you've completed it and that's just just because you made a small change you changed your trajectory today by setting a big fucking goal um so it's something that i'd recommend everyone does and as i say it does not have to be a marathon it does not have to be a munro it does not have to be like a hill climb or anything like that. I could literally be like, okay, like I want to lift, I want to squat a hundred kilograms um, in four months. Could be something as simple as that. And I think that's powerful. Um, yeah. And again, like something else to think about is it's fine and well setting big goals, but what you also need to allow yourself to do is celebrate the small wins. Um, so think of it like this, like say for example, I have never run a 5k in my life and I'm going to start doing couch to 5k but my goal is to do an ultra marathon i've not even done my couch to 5k i've not even completed that but i want to do an ultra marathon and my only i've got a total tunnel vision my big fucking goal is the ultra marathon i've got tunnel vision and i'm going to just keep running keep running keep running until i can get to that ultra marathon through 
that amount of time. I may do a half marathon, I may do a marathon, I might do a triathlon, I might do an Ironman, whatever it is. But we've got to allow ourselves to celebrate the small milestones along the way. So, okay, couch to 5K, got to my 5K. Okay, what's next? Now it's a 10K, celebrate that. Brilliant, I've made 10K. Okay, what's next? I'm going to do a half marathon, celebrate that. So we need to make sure that we actually set little milestones. We don't just go like this big mental goal in the future that seems pretty unattainable, but we're not going to be happy until we achieve that. Now, this is where you can take weight into it as well. I see so many people come on board and like, I want to lose 20 kilograms. And I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. But let's start with five. Once we get to five kilograms, we'll stop, we'll celebrate and we'll go again. So you've got to be realistic and you've got to almost kind of take a step back and realize like, okay, that's a great goal, but we've, we've got to kind of set milestones. We've got to set a plan in place because you know what? It's, it's hard to lose 20 kilograms. And if we don't lose 20 kilograms, does that mean you've failed? What if you lose 10 kilograms? Does that, is that a failure? That's a pretty big win in my eyes. So we've got to allow ourselves to, yes, set big goals, but also allow ourselves to have that plan, that, that trajectory on a daily basis to get us there. So something that I wanted to touch on was like fear-based fitness posts. So look, you usually see the Karens posting these on like for for community page. And it's like things like, why have you not been eating this food? Or why have you been eating this food? Um, or why have you not been taking this supplement? It's like, there's one that that sticks out for me and it's there was the woman on one of the the pages the community pages I'll not name any names but she was essentially posting about this this supplement which was which was meant to be like the next big thing for weight loss and people were losing like 10 kilograms 15 kilograms on this um on this supplement or, or the narrative that she was essentially spreading was like um do you want to be like have heart disease do you want to have do you want to be obese for the rest of your life? Do you want to die early? If not, take this supplement. And it's just like, some of this stuff is mad and there's so much of this shit going about. And the problem is like, people post these things on Facebook and they post these supplements and they post these these fantastic kind of like six week shreds and they make it seem as if you're not going to do it. If you don't do it, then there's a good chance that you're going you're gonna to die. Like it's going to be so scary if you don't do this, and they create this, they create like a load of fear around it. Um, so it's like if someone's trying to, if you see a post and someone is trying to make you scared, someone is trying to create fear, or they're trying to make you feel shit. Their their post's intention is to make you feel shit about themselves. My first idea for you would be to unfollow them um, and just delete that person because the minute that you begin to focus your goals on fear on out of not being good enough it's a it's a slippery slope now I know a lot of people the reason for their change will be because they're not happy because they're in a pace a place of pain they're in a place of feeling really unhappy and they'll almost like they'll beat themselves up until they really get in the shape that they want but what we've basically got to do is we've got to we've got to go from this place of yeah like you might be unhappy with the way you look you might be unhappy with your body fat you might be unhappy with the how fit you are just now and that's fine that's going to be the kickstart that gets you going that's that's there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that there's no problem but what we want to basically be doing is we want to take you from that place of kind of the reason you want to change is because of pain because you're not happy and this is the way that I changed in the first place I was miserable with the way that I looked my body I just wasn't happy with it and every time I was in the gym it was like I was punishing myself it was like right Ryan you need to do this because you're fat and because you're out of shape if you don't do it then you're just going to be even more out of shape but when you can spin that round to being in a place of enjoyment and training because you actually like training not training because you're punishing yourself not eating to punish yourself not having that like I need to eat this meal because like this boring meal this bit of cardboard and this bit of lettuce like I need to eat this meal because it's what it's going to take for me to get in shape the moment you're in a position like that where you're not enjoying every second of it you don't have to enjoy every second of it but if you're hating every second of it there is no chance for a long-term change there you've got to allow yourself to find an approach that you enjoy it's not going to be based off fear it's not going to be based off 
being in pain. It's not going to be based off self-loathing. It's not going to be based off like just essentially all this negative self-talk. You're fat, you're you're ugly, you're you're shit. Like these things that go through your head. And you cannot allow that to motivate you to do you can't allow that to motivate you forever. It's a can be a good starting place sometimes. Like it can actually be the thing that gets the ball rolling. But if you're constantly in the gym because you hate yourself, because you're trying to lose weight, and um, because you're calling yourself all these names and you have to do this, like and I've seen it so many times, people motivate themselves through negative self-talk, and it's not the right way to go. We've got to try and find this pa- this place of pleasure where we can operate from. But again, it is not easy. It is a hundred percent not easy. So take a breath, Ryan, try and breathe. Where we're at now is recovery after workouts. So you go down quite a rabbit hole with this kind of stuff and it's actually really boring. Recovery after workouts, boring. Now, when people think recovery after workouts, they think of like the protein window and they think about, oh, I need to get my protein in, man. Like I've, I've just finished my workout half an hour ago. They think about foam rollers. They think about ice baths. They think about stretching. You think about massage. All this stuff's nice. It's um, it's fine. Like if you're a professional athlete, you're, you're probably using some of this stuff. Um, but I'll tell you what the professional athletes are also doing. They're sleeping. They're getting their carbs in after. They're getting their protein in. They're having adequate calories. Um, they're making sure that they have their plan in place so that the time to their next training session isn't too close to the last one. Um, again, they're perhaps not drinking alcohol straight after and they're making sure they drink loads of water. Um, and they'll dive into a little bit about HRV later. But as one of, one of the main things we've got to consider with recovery, if you are constantly going into the next workout, under-recovered, sore, lethargic, feeling tired, feeling like you're not motivated to that workout, there's a good chance that you may now be training too much and not recovering enough. So I mean, essentially we call this maximal recoverable volume. So we've got to consider that there's a sensation called super compensation. So basically what we do when we train is we give the body a certain amount of stimulus. Um, imagine the body's at baseline right now. We give it a certain amount of stimulus, which is obviously going to make you sore. It's going to mean that you need to recover. You're going to go below baseline. If you go and try and train an hour later, there's no chance. Well, there's very slim chance you're going to be able to lift the same as you did in that session half an hour ago. However, if we give it a day or two, Baseline is then going to come up probably longer than a day or two if you're training the same muscle group. Go above baseline, we may then be stronger. It's because we allowed ourselves to recover. However, if you train too much, you don't allow for enough recovery, you will not get back above baseline. You'll perhaps even go below baseline because you've overtrained and you've went above your maximal recoverable volume. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, sleep is a total obvious one. Like It's something that people absolutely neglect um, if you want to find something that's anabolic, something that builds muscle, it's sleep. Um, the levels of testosterone, the levels of recovery that we can actually get during sleep are are higher than when you'll ever be. Like they're they're at their highest point, is what I'm trying to say. Sleep massively important. If you can get seven to eight hours, spot on, ideal. Um, but I know not everyone can. However, if you are absolutely charged up on caffeine and you've had your pre-workout in the gym, 8 p.m., there's one thing, it's, it's not a pet hate, but it's something that winds me up a little bit. People drinking like Monster, people drinking pre-workout at like 8 p.m., 9 p.m. in the gym. Well, let me tell you right now, take that away, get rid of that caffeine, get a better sleep at night, wake up feel a little bit fresher in the morning, that is going to be much better for your gym performance than that pre-workout is ever going to be. I promise you, stop doing it. Get that white monster to fuck. Get it out of the gym. I don't want to see it in the gym past 7pm. I'm just kidding. I'm not being that serious about that. But generally, it's going to disrupt your sleep. The amount of caffeine that's in that will disrupt your sleep, even if you don't think it is. Even if you feel like you're in a sound sleep, REM sleep is going to be massively affected. Um, Replacing carbs and protein. Obviously, Carbs are kind of not really, I suppose they're not respected. Like everyone just thinks about protein for recovery. But if we have depleted carbohydrate in a high intensity workout, you need to, you need to it's ideal to replace it. 
Um, carbohydrates are seen as like the devil. They're seen as these nasty things that nobody should be eating. But carbohydrates are vital. When we go through a bout of high-intensity exercise, say, for example, we're doing a circuit class um, or we're doing like a really a spin class or something like that, something high-intensity, a game of football, a training session, um, carbs are going to be depleted. Your glucose, 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 try and say that again, right? Glucose stores are going to be um, depleted. Therefore, we need to we need to fill them back up again at some point because if we want to go and train the next day again, then it's going to be a mass, it's going to be a really good idea to to fill them back up. So carbs are it's a good idea to make them part of that post workout meal. Um, protein again, we've all heard about protein. Why is it vital for recovery? Um, helps your muscle recover, helps it grow. Um, we need to try and make sure we've got adequate adequate um, protein for recovery. Calories. Um, if we are, say for example, we're training five times a week in the gym um, and we're doing like three treadmill runs um, and we're just running ourselves into the ground, one thing that could help us recover a little bit better and actually make us stronger for the next session is actually having adequate calories. Because I know I see a lot of people train, 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 train. They're like a hamster on a wheel, train so that they can eat. And then when they do eat, they're actually just probably not eating enough. Their calories are way too low and they're going into the next training session absolutely knackered, underfed and wondering why they can't get results. There's a good reason for it. It's probably because you're not actually eating enough to recover. You're probably not eating enough to fully function. You're waking up the next morning knackered and thinking, again, going back to before, this is what it takes to lose body fat. But there can be a sweet spot that you can find where you've got adequate calories. It helps you feel reasonable um, and you can still lose body fat, but not um, not have that negative effect on training. Obviously, the time to the next training session. If you're going to train chest on Monday, chest on Tuesday, chest on Wednesday, you've probably, you've not probably, you've definitely not given your chest enough time to recover. So you really need to be careful with this. Um, and again, Best way to benefit this is just a good training program. A good training program that doesn't mean you're you're absolutely smashing the same body part day in day out. Um, and again, having that recovery, like you know, approach an approach that I found for me that really works is um, is four training sessions in a week. Again, how long is a piece of string? Um, every, everything's different for every person. Um, I'm not saying that that is the gold standard, but it works for me. Um, I used to train six times a week. I don't really need to do that just now in the gym. Um, four times is adequate. It allows me recovery in between as well. Um, so HRV, like this is heart um, heart rate variability. So this is something that can kind of almost dictate your recovery. Now, if you've got a whip band, if you've got an Apple Watch, if you've got a Garmin, you're actually going to be able to see this data on the, on the health app or on the workout app. So one thing we'll find is like, if I've been on a night out, um, a big session, drank all night, and I then look at my heart rate availability, heart rate variability data on the next day. I'm going to see that it's really low. Um, again, heart rate variability. I should probably explain what it actually means first. So, HRV essentially is like it's a physiological phenomenon of the variation in time interval between consecutive heartbeats, and it's kind of like registered in milliseconds. So a normal, healthy heart does not tick evenly like a metronome. You don't just go do, do, do. There's milliseconds that are going to have slight a slight differentiation between every beat. It doesn't go like on beat like every single time. Like it's not perfect. Um, so you need to kind of then look at the milliseconds between heartbeats. There's a constant variation, and in general, we're not we're not really aware of this variation. You can't tell. You can't just listen in and and hear it because it is milliseconds. Um. It's not the same as heart rate, so beats per minute. Like when you see your heart rate on your um, on your watch. So right now, mine's is mine's actually sitting a lot higher lately. I don't know what's wrong with me. So it's 60, 63 beats per minute. It's usually about forty. Um, sixty three beats per minute seven minutes ago. So that's beats per minute, not every heartbeat. Um, so yeah, like heart rate variability like if we are under recovered if we've had a bad sleep if we've been bevy in the night before you're probably going to have a low heart rate variability a high heart rate variability can actually be a sign of yeah good like recovery is good we're we're ready to go um and as i said like the whoop band gives you a really good feedback on this um but you kind of need to dive into the the ins and outs of the the apple 
workout app to really find this and to see where you're at. Um, again, I'll not dive into that too much. It's, it's maybe worth having a look at. Um, and something that's very under-respected for recovery is walking. Walk. Just go for a walk. Legs are sore, body sore, walk. Get out in the in the sun um, if you can find it and just recover. Just recover that way. Like just getting the blood flowing, low impact um, is going to be something that's really good. So I'll try and dive into this and not take too long because I understand that this podcast is going on. Um, so like for me, having a coach, like having a coach is probably been the best thing I've ever done. You hear me whack on about it all the time. Um, some, like a couple of benefits to having a coach is like, especially if you're first starting out your journey or you're, you've never had a coach before, like the results that you can get from having that accountability are colossal. Like you think you can get results on your own. You can you definitely can, but having the accountability of an unbiased person in the background can absolutely exponentially make your results so much better. And again, you may be thinking, oh, Ryan, easy for you to say you're a fucking coach, like good sales, mate. But honestly, it's it's so true. Um, and again, from a selfish point of view, like get in, learn the methods that they use and fuck off and go, thank you. I'll steal these, thank you. Again, you've got a program, you've got a methodology, you've got a kind of way of working that you can use as well. And you've got the skills and the tools to then go off on your own. And again, as James Smith always says, like the sign of a good coach is someone that can bring someone in for 90 days and then they pop off after that and go, see you later, crack on. And they know exactly what they're doing. Again, it doesn't always take 90 days. It can take longer. But again, that's something that can be really beneficial. Um, and again, like accountability is always important. It's like a lot of the times, a lot of the time I see clients, they'll actually go back to their coach because like they have a coach, they go, okay, don't need the coach. And then after that, they're like, you know what? I actually feel like I just need you because you help me operate on a higher level. You help me keep my standards high. Not because I need you, I can still do it. Like this is the same with me. Like I, I could argue that I don't need a coach, but he upholds my standards. He makes me operate on a higher level on a daily basis and means that, and means that we have, as I said, an unbiased view towards what we're doing because like we make stories up in our head all the time and we're very biased towards ourselves. We think we're God's gift. Like we're all a little bit vain. We're all a little bit like for ourselves. Um, and again, as I go on about that chimp on your shoulder, that can make decisions for you. And you think that's you making the decision, but having that unbiased view from a coach can be really beneficial, can really help you just be clear on if you're thinking rationally or not. One way like I like to think about it is like, Think about the story that you're telling yourself right now. Say, for example, like, oh, I'm not going to the gym tonight. It'll be fine. I'll do it tomorrow. Think about the advice that you would give a friend. Would you give yourself the same advice? So if your friend was really trying to lose body fat, just the same as you were, and they were like, oh, just go tomorrow, what would be the advice that you would give to them? Probably be stop being fucking lazy and get to the gym tonight. You know that you're not going to go tomorrow. So being in your own head, you'll typically pick the decision that maybe doesn't benefit you you always go with that chimp the chimp's always going to make decisions for you i really need to stop going on about this chimp like people will think i own an actual chimp um and again as i said like i possibly don't need a coach but where would i be without one possibly operating at 70 percent i'd maybe still be doing all right but i'd not be operating to my very highest standard um and that's something you've got to consider as well you've really really got to consider it um you want really good results. If you want to really challenge yourself, challenge your thinking, challenge your um, challenge what you think is capable right now, then hire a coach. And I know one as well. Um, I'm not sure what his name is, but let's move on to the the final story now. I think I need to be quiet. Um, not be quiet, but I don't even think I've told my mum this. I don't even think she knows I did this. Maybe she does. Um, so it was about a. Uh, couple of weeks before I moved to Australia um, in 2017. Um, I got a tax rebate. It was a pretty chunky one. Um, and I was like, hmm, what can I do? I put in my group chat, does anyone fancy a holiday? Um, everyone told me to fuck off. Um, nobody wants to go on holiday. So I was like, right, you know what? Fuck it, I'm going on holiday on my own. Um, and I was looking, I was scrolling. I was like, maybe a city break. Um, I'd been to Magaluf the last three years before that. So... I went, you know what? <laughs> Let's book a hotel in Magaluf on my own. Just on my lonesome, booked a hotel. So that, oh, mind you, I, I need to also state that I was absolutely blurred. Um, 
absolutely blurred up in Aberdeen playing bowling at the point that I booked this and I found it absolutely hilarious. I went to all my friends, I've just done something mental. Um, looking back on this now, like I'm, by the way, don't really find that list that funny anymore, but I'm sure people will find it funny. Booked it when I was absolutely blazing. Um, told nobody a couple of weeks later, maybe it was even just a week later after that, I was gone. I was driving my car down to Edinburgh Airport, um, jumping on a plane, and I think at this point, I was like, I told nobody I was going, literally nobody, not even my own mum. I was kind of had this realisation when I jumped on the plane. I was like, what in the fucking world are you doing? You absolute idiot. Um, but no, off I popped, went to my hotel. Um, I was absolutely fucking roasting. It must have been about 35 degrees. I was sweating the whole the whole three days. Um yeah, and I've, honestly, I felt like Richard off in between us. I don't know if anyone's, I'm pretty sure most of you have seen them between us, um, of Richard when he asks them to go around to theirs for a shower. I think that was probably me at this point. Um, bottle of Buckfast, stayed in the room, um, just got bloated until I, I kind of forgot what I'd actually done. Um, Magaluf Club Pass, had the whole lot, went out to Boomerangs, Bananas, if anyone knows Magaluf. Um I was that guy, like, you know, you always find that guy when you're on holiday and he's on his own. He's absolutely smashed. And you're just like, you're like, we need to get you home, mate. Um, I think I was that guy. Um, probably one of the weirdest things I've ever done. Um, the word around Forfa was that I'd had a mental breakdown. Um, I hadn't. I was just having a really good time. Um, I mean, a strange story that people still don't believe. Um, possibly solo travelling um, is best done somewhere else, not Magaluf. Um, but you know what? I had a good time. Um, wasted a lot of money. Had a good time. Um, and it was a funny story to tell. Um, so yeah, that'll polish off the podcast. Hopefully everyone enjoyed that. Please share the podcast on your Instagram story if you enjoyed it. Um, just give me a share anyway. Even if you hated it, every second of it, please give it a little share. Um, I would massively appreciate it. If you haven't as well, give it a rating. Give it an honest rating of five stars if you wouldn't mind. Um, helps the algorithm and all that. Um, so yeah, appreciate everyone that listens. Drop me a message if you need help with anything that we've discussed in the podcast. Apart from the last bit, I will not help anyone do that. I'm not a travel agent, and I'm not a nut job anymore. I've actually leveled my head out now. Um, so appreciate you guys for listening. I will catch you in a bit.